Feel like we've been to church already? You may be seated if you can. I was, man, I, one of the things that I love about our church, especially over the past six months, as I, I sit in every service, I'm, I'm in, the, when, the, when, the, when the band is on stage, I'm in the room because for a year I would preach and, and I had no band. Like there was no band anywhere. There was no, nothing. And so I was like, if we ever get a worship team, I'm not, and, but the way, the, if you could hear yourself sing, like the volume in our church over the past six months, it's like, it just keeps cranking. Uh, I can hear our church singing over the band. It's, it's so beautiful. I have people go, I don't like to sing, but like when Garth Brooks karaoke comes on, you sing, sir. I know, I've seen you, you sing. Um, one of the things that you hear about couples, and, and maybe some of you here have this story, is, uh, let me ask this question. Any couple in this room, it was love at first sight. Like you saw your spouse and you knew that's the one. Anybody just raise your hand? I'm not gonna make fun of you. I'm, not just, I'm just seeing. Okay, that's, that's cool. I hear those stories. They're amazing. I, like somebody's like, I was in college and I was in the cafeteria and I was in line and then he came in or she came in and I looked at him across the room and there was a glow around him and I turned to my friend and said, I'm gonna marry that person. I'm gonna marry that girl. I'm gonna marry that guy. Oh, this is a second chance. You probably weren't in college. You were like, I was in a bar and she came in and I just... <laughs> keeping it real. Um, that's, that's not mine and Shannon's story. We've got the opposite. And I'm kind of curious, how many of you in this room have the story of the first time you saw your spouse, you were like, ain't no freaking way. There's just no, anybody with me on that? Okay, fewer people willing to raise your hand. No, baby, it was love at first sight. The first time I met Shannon, a, a, a mutual friend introduced us and, and she said, Shannon, this is Perry, Perry, this is Shannon. I was like, hi, how are you? She said, I'm great. She turned around and literally ran across the hall to talk to somebody else. I went, huh, okay, that's it. And I, I thought, okay, well, that's, that's, that's obviously not gonna happen at all. And uh, I showed her, I married her. So anyway, I'm just saying, First impressions, first impressions. Sometimes first impressions are, are good and first impressions sometimes are bad, but all of us in this room know that, that first impressions matter. Now, when we go through the Bible and we see stories about certain people, sometimes we get a good first impression and sometimes we get a, a bad first impression. And the person we're gonna talk about in this series is a, is a woman in the Bible named Sarah. Now, the thing that I'm fascinated with is several months ago when I was putting this series together, um, I, I, did, I was like, who do we, like, who do we study? Because we've, we've studied Esther and we've studied Ruth um, and we studied Mary. And I was like, who do we study? And I wound up landing on Sarah because th her story is happened thousands of years ago and it's so relevant to our lives today, especially the women in, in the room. And so ladies, the, the goal of this series is to build you up and to bless you. And men, the goal for this series is to, to uh, help you understand women a little bit more, which is right up there with the Red Sea parting, right? So anyway, I, the reason I say that is because now, now we're, gonna, we're gonna study Sarah 
for the, first, for the next six weeks. Actually, it's kind of unique and awkward that I picked Sarah because um, this whole thing happening in the Middle East right now, it's, it's Sarah's fault. It's Sarah's fault. In Genesis 16, we'll get there eventually, but she just messed the whole thing up. Just so when you get to heaven, you can blame it on Sarah. Anyway, this is what, this is what the Bible says about Sarah. And it's the first impression, it's like the first real thing that we're told about Sarah in scripture. Now her name doesn't appear as Sarah, but God changes it later. So just trust me, her name eventually winds up to be Sarah. It says, but Sarah, who was unable to become pregnant and had no children. Now this verse is loaded. Like ordinarily we just skip over this verse, but a couple things. In, in this particular society, a woman's value was determined by how many children she could have, specifically sons. So if a woman could have multiple sons, then people were like, oh, she's blessed by God and she's loved by God. And if a woman couldn't have children, she was, she was kind of looked down on. Like something's wrong with her. Something's off with her. Something's broken inside. She's, she's, she's damaged. She's messed up. And it, the Bible doesn't say that Sarah didn't try. The Bible says that she was unable to become pregnant. Now, the thing the Bible doesn't tell us here, but we, we find out later through other means is she's 65 years old when we meet her for the first time. Let me pause. I'm not saying that's old. <laughs> but how many, I'm just kind of curious, how many, how many women in the room are 65 or older? Would you just raise your hand? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's... Now, here's the deal. Here's what I know about every one of you that have your hand raised right now. None of you, none of you, zero, are thinking, I might be pregnant. <laughs> I've been doing ministry for over 30 years. I've never met a 65-year-old or older lady that says, Pastor Pete, pray for me. Having a baby. Okay, I mean, there's, uh, I mean, when, when you're when you're 65, you're you're ready for the grandchildren, right? Or let's be honest, this is the upstate of South Carolina, the great grandchildren. But like you, you're not, you're not. When you get to 65, it's, well, that's, if if you hadn't had a baby by 65, you're not having one. That's what, especially back in these days when they didn't have all the science and technology and stuff that we have today, there was just no way. Now, one of the things I love to do is read through other translations when I'm reading through the Bible. And I always teach you out of the NLT, the New Living Translation. It's, it's probably the easiest version to understand, which is why I read out of it. But the English Standard Version, same verse, but it describes Sarah this way. Watch this. Now, Sarah was barren. That's a... That's a condition, but it's also a feeling because she, she felt empty. She felt worthless. She felt like she had no value. And I would be willing to bet 
there are women in this room and there are women watching online right now. You feel empty, worthless, and like you have no value. But here's what I want to do. I'm going to, and I don't normally do this. I'm going to go all the way to the end of the story and show you how this ends because if you don't get anything I say today, ladies, I want you to understand something. There is value in you. There is value in you, and God put the value in you when he created you. And you, it, even if you think, like Sarah probably thought, I'm damaged. Hey, good news. God does his best work with damaged people. And so if, if you're, I'll just put it this way. If you're damaged, you're not damned. Somebody needs, I don't know if anybody tweets anymore, but you should tweet that, right? Watch this. 20, so, so 65 years old, 25 years later, I want to show you what happens. So she's 65, 25 years later, she's how old? 90, 90, 90. I'm not going to ask if there's any 90-year-olds in the room, all right? And watch this. The Lord kept his word because God always keeps his word. We're going to talk about it next week. He said he's coming back. He's coming back. I can't wait. The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. What did he promise Sarah? Okay, watch this, verse two. She became pregnant at 90? She became pregnant. Evidently, Abraham, her husband, found that little blue pill because he was 100, right? <laughs> Too many people laughing at that right now. It's too many people laughing. <laughs> and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the time that God had said it would. God always comes through on his word. And there is value in you. And starting today and throughout the rest of this series, I hope you find, in fact, today, today, there is a man moment in the series, by the way. The man moment in two weeks, whew, dear God. We're just, I mean, just get ready. But I, I, if I could pray three prayers over the, the ladies in our church, this is when I was going through this, this is what I wrote down. I, th these are three prayers based on what we just read that I would pray over every woman in our church, every woman watching online. This prayer number one is this, that you would move from feeling worthless to knowing that you are priceless that you would move from feeling worthless to knowing that you are priceless. Now, I love to do research. I'm, I'm not the smartest person in the world when it comes to like physics, like Karis, my, my daughter, she had a physics test the other day and she does this homeschool thing and she was, I, I had to proctor the test. And I was like, baby, you are so safe from from like your parents helping you on this because I don't understand anything right there. Like physics, I don't understand it. But when it comes to like science and history and sociology and studying people, I'm fascinated. So I sat down and I was making a list and I made a list about the top places where women tend to find their identity. I read a lot of articles on this and there's about five major places. Now these are not the only five, but these are five places where I find that women find their identity in our society, which is, by the way, you'll see in just a second, the, the reason a lot of women, God, so 
many women feel worthless is because you find your identity in these places. And these aren't bad. It's just bad places to find your identity. Y'all ready for the list? By the way, I got this right. I got this right because I asked a lot of women did I get it right. Number one, appearance. Now, I'm not saying don't try to be pretty, but the pressure that y'all are against is marketing companies market to women and their major message is this, you're not enough. You're not enough, but you, if you would just buy our car or buy our product or buy our clothing, you would feel like you're enough and it never works, does it? Appearance matters. See, men, we don't get this. We, <laughs> we don't understand. Husbands, I wanna ask you a question because your wife won't tell the truth, but you will. How many of you, you have gotten ready to go somewhere, maybe it's out to eat, to be with some friends, church, and your wife walks in and she's dressed and she's like, how do I look? And you go, you look amazing. And she turns around and goes and changes outfits. Anybody, anybody? <laughs> how many women have changed? You, you've gotten dressed or something and you would admit this and you have changed because you didn't feel cute and you didn't feel pretty, all right? The other women that are not raising their hands are liars, 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 liars. See, man, we don't care. We, we get, Shannon asked me a lot on Saturday night. She'd say, what are you wearing to church tomorrow? And my answer is always the same, clothes. That's, I, I don't know. That's all I, that's all I know. That's all I know. But women will do that. Women will come in and say, hey, do you like my hair up or down? And you'll go up and she'll wear it down. Appearance matters. But ladies, I want to I encourage you. I want to encourage you that the playing field that the enemy gets, tries to get you to play on is, is not fair. Because there's this thing called comparison that is a trap that is designed to make you feel like you're not enough. Models on Instagram, you can't keep up with them because of filters and fake. She got fake lips fake eyelashes, fake hair. She's still making payments on her boobs. I told you I was gonna keep it real. I told you I was gonna keep it real. I just, I'm just telling you, that's a, that's a trap. And there, there are women in this room that you are, you are so beautiful and you've never felt it because the enemy has you convinced that you're not enough. Number two, is relationships. If you're single and you're, you're a girl and you're single, the older you get and the more, you, the more you're single, the more you start asking, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And uh, I forgot to say this last service, but I, I always drop this in because it's helpful for some singles. You, you've got that aunt in your family that just gets on your last nerve because every time you go to a gathering, like you go to somewhere and like, like you're sitting in a wedding and she's like, hey, what's wrong with you? It's about time, isn't it? You're next. Come on, speed it up. So next time you go to a funeral with her. <laughs> hey, next, aren't you? Let's go ahead and say, you'll shut that down real quick. I'm just, somebody got something out of that. I felt that right there. 
But if you're single, you're like, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Because come on, you've got friends that are crazy and they got married. You know she's crazy. You're like, that girl, that girl is crazy. That girl is crazy and she got married. And what happens is when you're single and you get older um, and, and, and you can't find Mr. Right, you'll settle for Mr. Right now. That's a problem because listen, God did not ask any of his daughters to date a fixer-upper. He needs to be ready. He needs to be ready. Um, and then if you're married, and, and listen, if you're struggling in your marriage, welcome to the club. Every marriage struggles. Have you ever met a couple and they're always smiling and they're always happy and they're, every time you're like, hey, how are you? And they're always, they are so high. They are high. They are high as a kite. I'm telling you, they're high. Every couple has problems. And, and arguments will come. Listen, arguments just present themselves in the weirdest places. So I'm just saying, a lot of times women will take that on and they find if their marriage isn't good and they feel like, well, I must not be good. Or, and this can happen to men or women, if the relationship goes bad, one can completely blame the other and climb up on a pedestal of self-righteousness and that's just as damaging. And then, and then, whew, this next one, this next one, you got your kids. And women and men view parenting differently, correct? For example, because I've had people, well, I don't know about the kids thing. I mean, it's probably, look, mm -mm. take mama's car and daddy's car and put them side by side. <laughs> Whose car is more likely to have bumper stickers all in the back window talking about how perfect the kid is? My kid is an honor student. My kid is perfect. My kid walks on water. Dad's got um, my kid beat up your honor student on his truck. Like that's what <laughs> I'm gonna have when Boaz gets here, all right? So y'all pray for Boaz. I'm still praying. Where was I, kids? Oh yeah, so I've heard, women, I've heard women say this. I'm a horrible mother. And I, I like to step in, okay, unpack that for me. Why are you a horrible mother? Well, my kid failed the spelling test. No, no, you're not a horrible mother. Your kid can't spell. Doesn't make you a bad mom. I had a mom one time, she was like, I'm a horrible mother. I'm like, why are you saying that? She said, my son, like nine years old, fell out of a tree in the backyard and broke his arm. And I was like, well, that, number one, that's bad. But how does that make you a horrible mother? She's like, well, I, I should have been watching. I was like, a couple questions, because I'm trying to figure this out. Ha have you ever had a conversation with your child about climbing in that tree? Yeah, oh yeah, I told him so many times, don't do it. Did you ever tell him maybe the consequences of what would happen? Because parents will invent stuff. You fall out of that tree and you fall out and the hole will open up and they'll just take you straight to hell. Like, we'll just make stuff up. <laughs> yeah, I told him if he fell out of the tree, he probably, he could break something. I'm like, well, then you're not a horrible mother. You just have a dumb kid because, because now if you would have, if you would have like grabbed him and climbed up the tree with him and said, and thrown him out and like he broke, broke his arm, that's jacked up. That, that's a horrible mom. But it's, it's so, it, women can find their identity in their kids. So if the kids are good, they're good. But if the kids are bad, they're not, they're not good, they're, they're bad. And then you got number four, the house. Now I had somebody ask me, did you think that's a bit misogynistic? And I'm like, no. Because women, for the most part, care way more about how the house looks than men do. 
I've never in my life met a man that when he gets stressed, he cleans the house. <laughs> Ladies, how many of you stress clean? Anybody stress? Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. See? If you got company coming over, I remember we had company coming over and Shannon was like, we gotta make the bed. I'm like, they're not going into our bedroom. That's kind of weird. Hey, can I see y'all's bedroom? No, freak, leave our house. <laughs> Just close the door, it'll be all right. And so, and then last but not least, last but not least, um, there's the walk with the Lord. And there are, there are women in this room and, and listen, listen, I'm not telling you not to do it. I'm just saying it's dangerous to follow what I would call Christian celebrities on Instagram or Facebook. And all they ever post are the beautiful pictures with their open Bible and their cup of coffee and the sunrise is coming. By the way, that's a stock photo. She didn't really take that picture. But, and they're always talking about, oh my gosh, I had this two hour quiet time and my walk with the Lord. And you're like, I, two, what? I remember talking to a lady one time. I think they had, had three kids under the age of six. Three kids under the age of six. I asked the husband, I said, you do know what causes that, don't you? He said, yep, but I'm not willing to give it up. I said, my man. So, <laughs> and somebody asked her about her quiet time and I loved her because she was, she loved Jesus, but she was a little redneck at the same time. She said, quiet time, shoot, boy, I ain't had one of those in five years. And they were like, but you know the Bible. She said, this was literally, she said, I have an open Bible in every room, kitchen, living room, bedroom. And she said, with three kids, if I can just take 30 seconds and read one verse and pray a one-sentence prayer, that right there takes me one step closer in my walk with Jesus. I don't have to have a two-hour quiet time like the celebrity lady. I can just, just, just one step at a time, one day at a time. Now, here's what's crazy. Here's what's crazy. I'm about to perform a magic trick, and it's gonna blow your mind because I'm, I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna do. You're gonna think it's impossible, and I'm gonna do it. I'm about to describe every woman in this room with one word. One word. All the women watching online, one word. How'd I do? <laughs> Ladies, let me let me let me tell you, let me tell you. Let me tell you why you're, let me tell you one of the reasons why you're tired. Because you're trying to find your identity in these five things and there will never be a time in your life, this side of heaven, where all five of these things are in perfect order. So if you're always trying to find your identity in someone or something other than the fact that a man named Jesus gave his life for you, died on the cross for you, paid for your sins, and that is what makes you so valuable. You're priceless. What, what, if, we, what if we stopped looking at this and we just kind of looked at a, and there's so, there were so many Bible verses to choose from, but but I went to Romans 8, and I'm convinced, this is what Paul said, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. I, 
I don't know, but I need to hear that sometimes. Dude, nothing. And then he goes into a description of things that can't separate us from God's love. He said, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Christ, you are valuable because you were custom designed by the hand of God. And no matter what the enemy tries to throw your way, he can take away our vision, but he can't take away our value. Which leads... So number two, from faith, I would pray that every woman in, in this room could move from faith, from doubt to faith. From doubt to faith. Now, this is not a stretch. This is just truth. Women are way more detailed than men. True. Now, every once in a while, you'll find the exception. And please do not feel the need to find me in the lobby and tell me about how the man is more detailed because I'm just going to make fun of you next week in the sermon. I'm just, and I will by name. But I, I'm just saying, for the most part, women do most of the planning, correct? Like, you can ask, ask a married couple, ask a married couple about their wedding and ask them questions like this. What kind of flowers did you have? And the man will go, we had flowers. And the woman can tell you, the type of flowers, how much they cost, where they went. Ask, what, what color were the bridesmaids dresses? And the man will go, we had bridesmaids? And, and the woman will be, oh, she had on this one and she had, but we had to order and she had this and her hair was this, all the planning. And so if that's true, if that's true um, for marriage, that's also true for the children. When the baby is getting ready to show up, it's the woman that goes into planning mode. The guy we're trying to figure out how we're gonna provide for this kid. But women are like, oh my gosh, we're gonna paint the room this color and we gotta get this, and we gotta get this. And she goes on Amazon and, and fills it out and you read all 4,623 reviews. There's not, most men have never read a review in our life. We're like, looks good, buy now. Can you, ladies, am I right? You start ordering stuff, y'all pray for me because we have this baby, Shannon's gonna be ordering stuff for Boaz and I'm gonna have to put it together so his ass will have a crib and you know, I'm just... <laughs> I'm working it as much as I can. Y'all pray, y'all pray. Anyway, I'm just saying that women are planners. Can you imagine Sarah's like wish list on Amazon? She gets married to Abraham. She's like, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have some babies. I'm gonna have some babies. And she keeps hoping and she keeps praying and she keeps hoping and she keeps praying and she keeps hoping. And before you know it, She's 65. When she walks around, people, were, people would judge her. People, she was the talk of the town. People would gossip behind her back. And by 65, she was like, you know what? I'm not sure God's ever going to do anything for me. Let me pause real quick for the man moment. You ready for the man moment, guys? Men, it is our job, it is our calling to speak life into our wife, to speak 
I should have got an amen right there. Oh my God, somebody was gonna have a great afternoon and you just completely messed that one up. I care how many blue pills you got. So I'm, I'm just, just stay with me. It is, men, it's our job to speak life into our wife because the world is not speaking life into them. We've got to, I, this, I've learned this, I've learned this. Women don't want their husbands to tell them they're cute. I told Shannon that one, I said, you're cute. She's like, really? No. Women don't want to, they want to be told they're beautiful, not cute. They want to be told they're cute by other girls, not men. Don't try to pull that, man. I'm just telling you, if you tell your wife she looks cute, especially after today, you're going to sleep in the truck bed like that country song out right now. And we got to speak life into our wife. We've got to speak hope into them, and which, which that means, men, we got to become a student of our wives. We got to study her, figure out what works, figure out what doesn't work. And I've had men tell me, Pastor P, she changes all the time. I know. God set it up. It's like you're married to a different woman every month. (laughs) You will never figure her out this side of eternity, which means we always got to be pursuing her, right? Ladies, you always want to be pursued? Speak life, and I'm gonna go ahead and tell some single girl right now, if he's not speaking life into you now, he's not gonna speak life into you when you get married because he's probably got no life in him. I'll save the rest for two weeks. I've just got, I'm just saying, you gotta, I'm praying that we could move from doubt to faith. And it happened in Sarah. She moved from doubt to faith. There was a point where she said, I'm going to trust God that his word for me will come true. Pastor B, how do you know that? It's real simple. She got pregnant. Just in case you didn't know, getting pregnant takes action. Y'all need me to show you a picture? I got a picture right here. Y'all check this out. I'm just kidding. I don't have any pictures. I'm just saying, at some point, She was like, I'm gonna take God at his word. Abraham, got some for ya. And most men could have this inscription put on their tombstone and it would be true. Never turned it down. Next point. (laughs) Amen. I got some amens. I go, yeah, that could be why you're so mad all the time, sir. (laughs) Last but not least, from shame to celebration. Men and women are just different. I mean, we are. And I'm not trying to make a political statement. That's just a, it's a fact. And it has way more to do with, with, than just the plumbing. You can change the plumbing and you can't change the, the way women and men think. So different. I came across something recently called girl math. I didn't know this was a thing. So I started reading about it. And then I read, there's a bunch of girls that got offended about girl math. So if you get offended at this, it is for entertainment purposes only. And it's pretty true. Y'all ready for some girl math examples? I I just found these, these were great. Girl math is, um, 
not paying $15 for shipping instead, instead of spending $30 more to get free shipping. <laughs> Pretty accurate so far? Girl, girl math is um, returning something for $90 then buying something for else for $100 so you only spent $10. That's... Pretty accurate so far? This, this, this last one is probably the one that I amen the most. It was a five-day trip, 17 pairs of shoes. Girl math. Yeah. Five-day trip, guy, one pair of shoes, one pair of underwear, one shirt. That's pretty much it, right? Now, the, the reason I bring up the, the shame to celebration is because in today's culture, there's a, there's a lot of shame that, that people carry, shame associated with the past. Now, I've been pastoring for over 30 years, and I can't tell you the number of side conversations. I can get up and talk about the grace and the love and the mercy and the forgiveness of God till I am blue in the face and I'm sweating like crazy. And every time somebody's pulled me to the side and asked me, is that true for me? I'm telling you, 99% of the time, it has to do with some sort of sexual sin. Either something that we've done in our past or something that was done to us. And we wrestle with, am I damaged? Am I enough because of what I've done or what was done to me? And it's different for men and women because men in culture, in, in just regular culture, Men can have a high, what we call, what they call now body count. And people go, that's, that's a stud. And, men, and women can have a high body count. And it's like, oh, she's a slut. Sexual shame. Sarah had it. Sarah had some sexual shame. She would walk around and people would talk about her going, she ain't got what it takes. If she had what it took, she would have given a, Abraham a son right now, but he's been married to her for years, and that girl just, she's not enough. And I, listen, I'm a guy. What do you say? I can talk to a, a guy about how we deal with sexual shame, but from everything I've read and everything I've learned, it's a whole it's, it's a weight, listen. It's a weight that some women in this room are carrying. And every time it seems like you're about to take a step forward, the enemy steps in and reminds you of what you did and who you were and what you chose and there's so much shame that it just shackles you to your past. So I was praying about this and I was like, Lord, what do you say? What do you say to the woman, to the women that are, that are carrying this and they don't wanna carry it? And he led me to a story. Now, if you're a church background, it's a pretty popular story, but today I just want to read it, make a couple comments, and this is for this is for the, 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 the woman in the room that you're not sure you could really be forgiven. 
want you to watch this. It's an interaction that Jesus had with a lady. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. John tells us this in John chapter eight. And, uh, but early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. It's kind of intentional. Jesus got there early in the morning because I think he knew he had an appointment with this woman. She wasn't expecting to run into Jesus, but he was completely prepared to run into her. Some of you today, you showed up and you didn't expect to encounter Jesus, but you're, you're about to experience just knowing that you're forgiven in a way that you've never experienced before. Watch this. A crowd soon gathered and he sat down and he taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Double standard? Absolutely. Because if she was caught in the act of adultery, where's the man? See, men have always kind of gotten away with it. And women have always kind of been there to carry the shame. And then they put her in front of the crowd and a lot of the research and scholars that I've read said she was more than likely just completely naked. And they're, they're on their way to, to stone her. She's going to die. But before they could, before they could take her to the place they were gonna stone her, they had to, man, they had to go through Jesus. So they stopped and they said, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? And it was a trap because if Jesus had stoned her, then everybody's like, oh, he's a legalist. And if he said, no, don't stone her, then it's like, oh, you're a heretic. And so, so Jesus, they, they thought they had trapped Jesus. And this, this is what I love. They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. I want you to just see something because the first time I saw this, I couldn't unsee it. Let's say that this table represents the woman and Jesus is standing in front of her. Now the religious people, they're, they're standing over here and they've got their fingers pointed and you did this and you did this and there's all sort of condemnation. But Jesus is in front of her and the Bible says, Jesus stooped down. So Jesus, instead of shaming her, takes the position of a servant and he takes his finger and he writes on the ground. Now under the dust of the ground where Jesus would have been was the temple. It would have been stone. It would have been marble, rock. Finger to stone, finger to stone, finger to stone. Where else did that happen? Oh, Exodus chapter 20, the 10 commandments. When God took his finger and wrote them out in stone. We see in the Old Testament, God doing that. Here in the New Testament, we see Jesus, who was God in the flesh, taking his finger and putting it on the same finger that wrote, thou shalt not commit adultery, is not shaming her, but taking the position of a servant. And he's just, and nobody knows what he was writing. And, and 
they kept demanding an answer because religious people are relentless when they are judging people. They kept demanding an answer. And uh, so he stood up again. Notice this. He stood up to talk to them. The instant they kneeled down, he stood up and he said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers, it's an interesting word, accuser, Satan is called the accuser a lot of times in scripture. See, a lot of times Satan will accuse you and put on the mask of religion to do it. And some of you have come from that church background where the pastor told you, you're not welcome here anymore. You can't, you, you did this and you did this and good gosh, if we were to list all the things we did and we have done or we thought about doing. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. And then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord. Man, she got it right. She didn't call him teacher. She didn't call him rabbi. She called him Lord. He's he's transforming her immediately. That's what Jesus does. No, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go Go and sin no more. Now, I've preached this before, and I'm always, that person used to always find me. You went too easy on people. What do you mean? Jesus told her, go and sin no more. I'm like, ah. Number one, there's a reason you're single, sir. And number two, I don't think he said it like that. It's not in character with Jesus that we read about Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. I think this is what Jesus said. Does anyone condemn you? No, no, Lord. Then neither do I. Go and send them more. In other words, here's the good news. You don't have to live this way anymore. You don't have to live with shame. You don't have to live with guilt because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And somebody in this room needs to hear that you may have shame associated with your past, but Jesus Christ hung on a cross and bled and died and your sin is paid for. You are made brand new. And in Christ, all of us can walk in freedom because there is no condemnation. It all comes back to this man named Jesus. It all comes back to who he is. And it all comes back to who he is in our lives. So Jesus, right now, I wanna pray for all of us here in this room and watching online, Jesus, I wanna pray that we would just be so open to the word that you wanna speak in us. And I especially, God, wanna pray that you would have your way in us. And God, that you would do such a work in us and you would stir us to where Jesus, we, we, wanna, we wanna celebrate what you're doing in us and Jesus, we wanna share what you're doing through us. God, that we would be willing to let you have your way in our lives today. Jesus, we just wanna declare that you are Lord in this place. And Jesus, I wanna, 
I just want to ask you right now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if God spoke to your heart in this message, women and men, just, just speak back to his. Jesus, I pray over every single woman in this room, every single woman watching online right now, Jesus, that you would help them to move from feeling worthless to priceless. Because God, your daughters are not worthless. God, I pray that you would help, you would help them move from doubt to faith, that they would believe that your promises are true, not just for other people, but for them. And Jesus, that you would, God, please, I just feel this so heavy today, that you would move so many in this room from shame to celebration, that they would understand they don't have to live that way anymore. They can live in freedom. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're here today and you've never prayed to receive Jesus. And listen, all that stuff is great, but it's not even possible without a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you're here today, man or woman, you need to pray to receive Christ today. I wanna lead you in a prayer right now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray it out loud and ask you to pray it with me, repeat it. And I'm gonna ask you to pray it out loud, but not alone because here at Second Chance, our whole Second Chance family will pray this prayer with you so you will not feel alone and you will know you're stepping into a relationship with Jesus supported by so many people. So if you know you're here today and you know you need to pray to receive Christ, I want you to pray with me right now and pray out loud. Just say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need you as my savior. I believe you died on the cross and you rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I declare you as Lord. Come into my life and take over. In Jesus' name I pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed all over this room, if you just prayed that prayer, I would love to pray with you and for you right now. So do me a favor, if you just prayed that prayer and put your hand up in the air, just raise your hand and keep it up for just a second so I can see it and celebrate, amen. I see hands, just keep them up. I'm, I'm just doing it. Look across the room, I'm going really slow, trying to, their hands everywhere, so you just keep them up, keep them up, keep them up. Father, I wanna thank you. Oh, wow, for every hand today that has been raised, for every brand new life that has been brought about. Jesus, I wanna thank you that you save people. And God, I wanna pray one more time for every woman in this place, that they would walk out knowing, God, in you, they are completely loved. In you, they are completely valued and no one can take away what you put in them because you, Jesus, are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Thank you for who you are. Jesus, may you continue to make yourself so real to us. We love you, we celebrate your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody that agreed said amen. Are you glad you came to church today? Love you guys, I'll see y'all back next Sunday.